again to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. It has been just about a week, I guess, since I've uh, been behind the microphone here uh, doing the podcast. I've been away. I was in Charleston for about five days. And of course, when you're traveling, there's there's the one day you have to spend just traveling and then unpacking. And so it's really, it's a seven-day commitment for a five-day trip. So um, but I did have a good time. I uh, did get some time on the weekend as well, uh, well, well, a day and a half, really, an afternoon and a day to see some things. And I've been to Charleston, I guess, three times now. But this time, uh, I got to see some things that I hadn't seen before. Uh, I got to see the, um, I think they call it the Angel uh, the Angel Oak, if I'm, uh, the name is escaping me now. I'm pretty sure it's called the Angel Oak. It's a big live oak. And uh, it's just huge. It's just, it's incredible. Uh, you could probably look it up online. Um, I probably could have had a, uh, an image here queued up, but I don't. So uh, Angel Oak. And then um, I also got to go see with my wife the tea plantation that is in South Carolina, the uh, Charleston Tea Company. It's the only uh, tea plantation in the United States, apparently. Uh, there, there are no other tea uh, and, and so I did, you, you can go there, you can have some samples, and I did, and I'll say this about it, uh, I think we did buy a little bit of tea there just because, well, we're, we're here, right, we're at the, the tea plantation, when are we going to be able to do this again? But, but the thing is, as I was uh, even drinking it, I thought to myself, you know, this isn't really, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is as good as the Gold River tea, <laughs> and uh, I, I would rather support the Gold River Tea Company. But since we were there, and it, it's American tea in Charleston, I thought, you know, we'll get some of this too because we do drink tea and we do drink lemonade. In fact, I like mixing them. Uh, and they did have a flavor that Gold River doesn't have. They had uh, a raspberry iced tea that I thought, well, I, I'll, I'll get this. Uh, and, and I probably, it, once I run out, I, I'll run out because other than that, I'm going to be drinking Gold River tea uh, for the summer. And I, and I like it that way and I'd rather have it that way. But one of the things I learned while I was there, was that the, and I did not know this, maybe everyone knew this but me, but apparently tea, with you know, different kinds of tea, like green tea versus uh, black tea, it's not different plants. I always thought it was a different variety of tea. It's not. It's the same tea. It's just, uh, it goes through a process, if it's black tea, where it's, it's dried for a longer period of time. It's like 45 minutes or something. It, it goes on this belt and it, it kind of dries out. And then they, they have this process that they basically seal the flavor in. And so then when you boil it, the flavor is then released again. Well, the green tea doesn't go through that process. It's sealed, but it's sealed without that, that oxidation. And that oxidation, I guess, is what makes it black as opposed to green. And so it, it just was fascinating. I, I got to go see all the, the machinery they use and, uh, uh, it was beautiful plantation if you ever get a chance to go there. But I bring that up to tell you this. Uh, if you want some good tea, and it just it reinforced, again, I mean, I'm having this fresh tea right there. I thought, you know what, Gold River, Gold River tea is better than this. If you want some good tea uh, for the summer, some good cold tea, get the black tea from Gold River. Because Gold River tea, not only is are they employing American workers, uh, not only uh, is it a good company that's pro Western civilization, uh, but they are actually pro-Christianity. Uh, you can feel secure, uh, feel good about buying this, knowing that your your money's not going to a woke company. It's not going to a company that will uh, employ things that stand against your Christian values. This is a company of Americans who uh, love uh, their country and they love the church. And uh, and so, uh, if you go to Gold River, uh, 
co.com gold river company gold river co.com uh, you can get uh, their all-american trio bag which contains their gunpowder green tea their premium iced tea and their 1776 american breakfast <clears throat> black tea blend now the the iced tea that's that's what i'm drinking uh, this summer and if you put in the promo code conversations conversations will get 10 percent off uh, your order and so uh, it's a no-brainer if you like tea just uh, go get some of that um the and, and it, there's descriptions here if you want to know more about the different flavors they have available they're they're coming out with new stuff uh i mean they have pumpkin spice tea they have uh cocoa tea i mean there's there's earl gray and there, there's so many different kinds and, and they're coming out with more and i'm, I'm thinking this uh, this winter they'll even have more uh for, for as far as hot teas go uh, but check them out uh that's what i drink and i enjoy it so uh, let's get to the topic today um I want to talk about this situation that is going on right now uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, I'm going to just blow this up. I'm probably going to spend most of my time just showing you the slideshow because there's just a lot to get through. But this is, I wasn't quite expecting something like this to blow up while I was in Charleston, but that's what happened. It was kind of the day that I was taking to go visit the Angel Oak and the tea plantation and walking around downtown Charleston with my wife. Uh, that's when uh, the Southern Baptists decided and now's the time, I guess, we're going to really, at least the ones on Twitter, the, the, the elites that are on Twitter decided we don't, some of us don't even weigh in on things, but we'll weigh in on this. We'll weigh in on Megan Basham's article in the Daily Wire uh, on this whole Jennifer Lyle situation. And um, I, I want to uh, put this in context for you. David Sills, Jennifer Lyell, this has been a story that's been out there for a while, but hard questions really were not asked about this. I had I had been told, I'll just tell you kind of a, a little bit of what was going on. I, I had been told about this story years ago uh, that, and, and really with the, behind the telling of the story was the assumption that, or not the assumption, but the uh, the question as to whether or not this was a case of adultery being treated like a case of abuse of some kind, that there was um, not just because of a power differential, supposedly, um, and, and quite, I, I suppose, in reality there, uh, and at least initially with Jennifer Lyell and, and um, Sills, um, but, but, but there was actual physical abuse. There, there was, you know, this was a rape situation, basically. There was a question. There was questions from the beginning about this, but people didn't really say it publicly. It was murmur, murmur. Uh, it was. It, I think there was a fear about saying something. Well, Megan Basham came out and she didn't have fear about this. I I never really got into it just because I I don't I didn't think it was um, at the time I heard about it. It was kind of already something that already happened, and I just didn't I didn't foresee that it was going to come up again. Well, it did in the guidepost report. So one of the major, I think it was like 38 pages or something. I think it was over 30 pages in the guidepost report uh, for those following SBC politics that was just about this situation. And so with that, uh, this situation has been brought back up. So I thought it would be helpful to just go through a few things that might help shed some light on it. And then I'll summarize Megan Basham's article. We've talked about it before, and I'll show you some of the reaction, and we'll draw some conclusions. There's there's so many angles to this and ways I thought about going over this. Um, and, and I think that what I'll do is I'm going to actually, so, some of the things that I want to say that this has revealed, I'm going to save. I just really want to give you, my purpose in this podcast is just to give you a really direct uh, 
kind of as as much as a summary as I can give you, um, a helpful summary, uh, just a direct um, idea of what's going on here, what this is about. I think some people that just aren't familiar with this situation are wondering what in the world is the internet, the SBC, Twitter internet, blowing up over? And that's if I can convey that to you and then at least explain some of the issues that are going on here, some of the things that we got to watch out for, some of the threats really I see coming from the Me Too movement, uh, I think that it will be helpful. And it really gives you an insight into how Southern Baptists operate too. I think some people who before didn't see maybe how an Al Mohler perhaps uh, can be corrupt or, or not, maybe that's not the word, but authoritarian, I think they're seeing it now uh, more so. And this is, situation is just one of many that, reveals kind of the, the character of, of some of these folks and how they work, how they work in tandem and unison. Um, and uh, so the title is SBC elites enshrine their Me Too movement. Uh, Megan Basham's article was about the Southern Baptist Me Too moment. And so I'm saying the Southern SBC elites are enshrining their Me Too moment here. Uh, and so um, I think I said movement, moment. That's what I meant. Enshrining their Me Too moment. So Let's start off this way. I want to talk about Jennifer Lyell. She's the uh, purported victim in this situation. And she, um, th- th- these are just things that uh, I got off a few websites. I, for those who are patrons, you have access to this slideshow and you'll have the uh, websites at the end that I got this from. But in 1998 to 1999, somewhere in there, she quit her management job at a major theater company, became homeless for six months, and attended a Billy Graham crusade and committed her life to Christ. In 2001, she then graduated with a Bachelor's of Arts in Political Science from Southern Illinois University, during which time she re, uh, um, retired Democrat U.S. Senator Paul Simon mentored her. Now, Paul Simon is the Democrat senator who preceded uh, Dick Durbin in the state of Illinois. And, and she, these are, this is the term she used that she was in a mentorship with this particular Senator. I'm not embellishing or anything. I'm just trying to accurately depict, um, kind of her, her timeline here, who she is. So you get an idea, but I I thought that was significant enough to leave in, uh, or, or to let you know about, you know, she, she, there is this background where she did, uh, she was mentored by a Democrat Senator. And she was involved in, in policy and that kind of thing and in, in, in think tank work. Uh, 2004, um, she starts a relationship starts, I should say, somehow uh, with David Sills. And he's a professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, and she's uh, that's where she went after she graduated. She went to get an MDiv at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And this relationship starts in 2004, according to her on a missions trip. And it lasts 12 years, during which time Lyell moved to Chicago in the Nashville area. So she moves from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, to Chicago, to Nashville area. Uh, she works for Moody and Lifeway in Chicago and Nashville. And during this time, this 12-year period, from 2004 to 2016, there's an ongoing relationship with David Sills that, according to her, is very abusive. Um, and, and so, I mean, she uses language like uh, in one of the interviews I was listening to, like, like he, uh, he, he almost or partially uh, like raped me. Um, there, it wasn't, she, she doesn't, she never really says what exactly it was. She doesn't want to get descriptive, but she, she, she makes it sound like really, really bad and that she was always fighting. She was always resisting. Um, there was a point, um, I believe she, she talks about having bruises 
and someone seeing that and she um, but but she was always able to fight him off somehow so that that's her story she she also became one of the, part of the family and became really good friends before this I guess even uh, this relationship started with his his uh, sons and daughters and uh, and so she goes on this missions trip and then the relationship, it changes. Um, David Sills decides he's going to uh, pursue more of a, a, a sexual uh, relationship and, um, and it's one that Jennifer Lyle says is abusive. Um, but after she, uh, in 2005, she graduates with an MDiv in theology and intercultural studies from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. She then writes just a few significant things after she graduates for the, the years after that. She writes for the Gospel Coalition. Uh, she spoke at multiple Southern Baptist uh, seminary events to students and faculty. She worked in Christian publishing for Moody uh, and then Lifeway, where she became the vice president of book publishing and merchandising. So she works her way up. I mean, she is uh, she, she's publishing a lot of different books. I mean, this would be Russell Moore's books. These would be popular Southern Baptist books, um, including David Sills books, which I'll show you. David Sills actually gives her honorable uh, mentions in his books. Uh, 2018, um, she then, at that point, this is two years after this relationship has ended, she reports abusive, this abusive relationship with Sills to Eric Geiger, uh, who's her boss at Lifeway, who meets with Al Moeller, who then uh, either fires Sills directly or just puts everything in place to fire Sills. Sills is fired. And then in 2019, the next year, Rachel Denhollander threatens the executive committee with a defamation lawsuit, the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention, for Baptist Press, which ran a story that gave the impression Sills and Lyell were potentially equally guilty. So Baptist Press comes out with a story after this is reported that basically it just says that it was an inappropriate relationship. It doesn't categorize the relationship as abusive and therefore this is what prompts Rachel Denhollander to represent Lyell uh, and they settle and they settle the executive committee for the Southern Baptist Convention settles with Lyell for over one million dollars so that's what Lyell is able to get out of this in 2020 uh, and then in 2022 guidepost identifies Lyell's abuse accounts as corroborated that's the recent thing that's brought this all back up guidepost um, uses her story is one of their big stories for this is the abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention, and they just treat it as if it's David Sills is not an alleged abuser. He is an abuser, and everything's been corroborated. Now, normally when you see corroborated, people just think that means that this is verified, that there was other evidence brought to bear that uh, lines of authentication that seem to indicate that what Jennifer Lyle was saying was true about David Sills. Currently, um, Jennifer Lyle is studying at Syracuse University College of Law. She's set to graduate with a Juris Doctorate in 2024 with the goal of representing undeserved populations through public policy and legislative ag advocacy. So that's what she's doing now. Now, the narrative is basically this. This is a tweet from 2019 from Al Mohler. He says this about the statement from Baptist Press, or Baptist Press essentially, I guess this is when they settle with Jennifer Lyle and are basically... Uh, Renig they're they're um, they're going back on the language that they initially used um, and describing this more as an abusive relationship that existed between her and David Sills. Al Mohler says this about it. He says he's thankful for this article. I need to confirm. He says to all that when Jennifer Lyell came to me with reports of abuse, she never described a morally inappropriate relationship. It was clearly a report of sexual abuse. Very thankful for her courage. This is the narrative. 
This is what Southern Baptists have just been told. This is what they're supposed to believe. Now there, there's no ifs, ands, and buts. You can't really question it. That, and that's kind of when I heard about this, it was already kind of, this narrative was set in stone here. Well, not anymore. Um, now, one of the, I'll point this out. I think there's a few things I want to get through here that um, I think will sh- possibly shed some light on or at least raise some valuable questions for later on. Uh, Jennifer Lyell is mentioned in David Sill's books, at least some of them. Uh, his book uh, from 2010, Reaching and Teaching, uh, says, One of the great uh, helpers during the writing of my English book, The Missionary Call, was Jennifer Lyell, an editor at Moody Publishers. She went above and beyond the call of duty to polish the work and make it successful. It is, has been. She spent hours, and it goes on. Uh, then you have another one. Um, Jennifer Lyell is listed in a 2008 book, The Missionary Call, by uh, uh, by Michael Sills. Um which uh, now I, Michael Sills, I don't know. I should have checked this out. I thought this was David Sills at first. Um, I'm not, I think David Sills must've contributed to this or something. Anyway, um, point being David Sills, uh, this professor, um, I think it's Michael David Sills. I think it's the same person. So David Sills in these, at least these two books and possibly more, uh, thanks Jennifer Lyell for her long hours for what she's, what she did to help him make the book so much better. And this is, it's interesting to me because let's just stop here for a moment and just consider this for with me. The, the, one of the ideas out there, one of the Me Too ideas, and I think it's at play in this story, is there's an assumption that, well, there was a power differential. And a power differential means that the person with the power is the one that's abusing the other one in the situation. So if it's, even if it's a consensual adulterous situation, which Jennifer Lyle claims this was not, but even if it is, in, the, in many many um, Me Too situations, uh, it doesn't really matter because it's the it's the person in power that is is the abuser. Just because they have power over that person, I just want to point out a power dynamic thing here. Jennifer Lyell is publishing. She's she's at Moody. David Sills is actually the one that is relying on her to get his book published, and that continues at Lifeway. I'm pretty sure. So. Where's the power dynamic here? Who's at whose mercy? Uh, actually, David Sills needs something from Jennifer Lyell. And Jennifer Lyell lives now hundreds of miles away. She's not in Louisville. She's in Chicago. And it's in Chicago, working for Moody, that she's helping David Sills make his book great. Make his book great to the point that he's giving her uh, he's, he's giving her a glowing review of how she helped him. Uh, I, I just think that that's interesting and it, it doesn't fit the narrative, uh, because this is, this means Jennifer Lyell now she has, she's in a position of, um, somewhat of a, of authority power. David Sills would be at her mercy, mercy more to get his book published because she's the one that's now in charge of, uh, to, to some extent, at least of uh, publishing at least some of these books. Um, so there's. And, and again, there's a distance there too between Nashville and Louisville and Chicago and Louisville. Um, so I, I think that's interesting to point out in all of this. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean that he didn't abuse her in some way, but it 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 does it does at least make you scratch your head a little bit with if, if this is a man that is physically abusing her and she's fighting him off and having to fight him off all the time. Uh, and he's, I mean, this is years into now that relationship and she is helping him in this way. It, it's a, it's a little bit odd. It's just strange. Uh, you wouldn't think that she would have that obligation. Um, 
you would think that she's hundreds of miles away, that there wouldn't be this, that power differential wouldn't be at least as potent. But um, anyway, just, just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, let's keep going here. Um, in a 2021 interview, uh, Jennifer Lyell made these statements about reporting this um, David Sills to the police. And I just want you to uh, take this in. Now, the audio is in the info section in this particular uh, video or audio, whatever you're listening to, podcast. You're, you're going to see, if you go to the info section, I'll put the link there so you can check it out. This whole interview is like two and a half hours. And here's some quotes. She says, I mean, I was like, literally like, I mean, it was it was police at my house and, you know, safety. Now, I know that's kind of rambling, but a lot of the interview is is like this. She she talks about police at her house. She talks about, she says, Moeller um, did call the police, but he didn't make it public disclosure. She says Moeller called the police. Um, she then talks about a, a situation where David Sills was in a meeting at Southern Seminary. Now she's in Nashville. David Sills is in Louisville. So they're, you know, hours apart. And this is what Jennifer Lyell uh, says happens. After the meeting, all of a sudden, uh, this is the meeting in in, in Louisville and the meeting in Louisville happens and she well how about this you can listen to her tell it when the meeting was over I was at work you know I was at work at Lifeway and it's you know big and we were waiting on this call and it had been forever like an hour and 20 minutes you know they'd been in this meeting and you don't expect it to take how long can it take for this confrontation and all of a sudden my boss calls me and he says where are you and I was like cafeteria and he says you need to get up to Dr. Rayner's office right now go to his back office Turn your phone off and do not leave. And so, of course, I'm freaking out. Like, is this on the Internet? What's going on? And so and why am I going to Dr. Rayner's office? And so I get up there. The reason they wanted me in Dr. Rayner's office was because it was the place you had to badge the most into to get to. Because Dr. Moeller had called Eric Geiger. And when Eric answered the phone, all he heard was Dr. Moeller screaming, where is she? And he was like, what's going on? And he's like, he's left. They, I mean, they had police go to his house to make sure to track where he was. And the reason they gave him the hour and a half time to get his um, to turn his letter back in was so they could make sure he stayed in Louisville and weren't wasn't on his way here. OK, so the key thing there is she says that um, the police had to go to his house to make sure to track where he was. And the reason they gave him the hour and a half. Uh, to turn his letter back in was so that they could make sure he stayed in Louisville. The police, so the police were tracking him at some point. That's why this is important. Hold that thought, though. This is all going to come together. Just think, once I get to the Megan Basham, the attacks on her, you'll see why I think this is significant. Another thing that's said here, um, she talks about the Louisville Police Department. And she, she's asked, essentially, why didn't she report uh, what happened? And, and, or why didn't she, she reported it, but why didn't she, uh, press charges? And it turns out she, she reports it. It's, it's, she, she makes, she doesn't mention in this whole interview, it's like two and a half hours when she actually reported it. That's really, really key and important. Uh, when the reporting happened, my understanding it is it was much after like, like 2020, some, somewhere in there, but she, she talks about going to the Louisville police department and saying it has one of the lowest prosecution rates in the country. And she says, I don't have physical evidence and I was over the age of consent. And if the SBC uh, did all this and I'm having to explain it to like, to people who know to trust Al Mohler, this is not gonna, 
uh, and then she, she, she says Louisville has the second highest untested rape kits in the nation. So like if they're not even testing rape kits, here's what she's trying to say. The, what what she's saying there and the the inflections of her voice in the recording, if you won't go and listen to it, is she's saying, look, I, the SBC, they, they know to trust Al Mohler. You know, it's a, it's this the police, uh, you know, they, they're this is not a good police department. I'm, I'm not going to get a fair shake with them. Uh, they're you know, they're they're not a great place to go to, to get, uh, you know, to actually successfully press charges. They can't even test. They're not even testing rape kits. I mean, how am I going to do that? But it doesn't really matter for the sake of the SBC because the people in the SBC, they know to trust Al Mohler. That's, that's what I'm gathering from it, at least. And, and so that's why she says she doesn't press charges. Now, that's also interesting to me. I would keep that in the back of your mind, too, that she, this is her. This is what she's saying. She's saying Al Mohler uh, called the police. Uh, she's saying that the police were tracking David Sills on some level. She's saying at some point, I guess the police were at her house. She's also saying that the Louisville Police Department, she, you know, when she did, when she reported it, so she also reported it apparently, well, that they, she don't want to press charges. Uh, so, so this is what she's saying about this. Okay. Now, um, let, let's keep going here. Um, I want to give you some more background and then we'll start tying things together. One of the questions that I, everyone knows I would have this question probably on some level, especially with the Me Too movement stuff. I thought, well, you know, where is Jennifer Lyle on social justice? Does she, you know, is she someone who's more on the left? Like, would this fit her political agenda at all? If she does, she have a political agenda at all? Um, that even if she is on the left, it doesn't necessarily. It doesn't mean that David Sills didn't abuse her. I'm not saying that. No, no one who represents this video should ever. Um, make that case uh, against me or, or tr smear me that way like they're doing with Megan Basham because no, Megan Basham didn't say this and I'm not saying this either I don't know if David Sills I, I'm not saying he didn't he may have uh, abused her physically in, in some way um, the root issue of this whole thing though is whether or not Guidepost actually uh, was was forthright and honest and in, in pra doing uh, practicing uh, using best practices uh, to actually um, find corroboration when they said that her story was corroborated because because that's the issue. And so, um, and, and that I think can be answered and, and the answer is no, I mean, they didn't. And and, and so anyway, but but I was also, I, I'm also curious about like, is, is there, is there a, another possible possibility here? Is, is there a potential that maybe, part of the motivation in any of this is to move things politically because that is there is a huge political move happening in the SBC as a result of the me too stuff there just is it's changing the whole way that the SBC functions it's uh it, it is bringing in a, a new standard and i'll show you that in a minute uh, a new standard of what constitutes abuse and what to do about it and um it, it's so different than anything before it's not really it's not biblical but um, so I just wondered where where's she at? I mean, because the political left is they're the ones that are that's where this is coming from. This new standard, this new way of dealing with things. And Jennifer Lyle is, it seems like, on the political left. And I'll show you some stuff that seems to demonstrate that. This is from her LinkedIn. She said, I don't celebrate the fourth. Well, she supports this. She supports someone, Madison Butler. He's got his rainbow flag there. He says, I, I don't celebrate the fourth of July. I'm not patriotic. And he quotes someone who says, white feelings should never be held in higher regard than black lives. And that's why he doesn't celebrate the 4th of July and isn't patriotic. And Jennifer Lyle, of course, supports this. Uh, you have Jennifer Lyle, 
And, and she's doing this publicly. She wants people to know. Uh, she, she, Jennifer Lyle, uh, also in her about section on LinkedIn, saying that um, she has had an incredible career in book publishing, but now she's going to pursue work that will cultivate solutions for systemic challenges facing marginalized communities, which, uh, of course, sounds like uh, the social justice uh, stuff um, to some extent. And, you know, she's a lawyer or she's studying to be a lawyer and uh, so I, I, I'm guessing that that's what she's talking about here. More telling is possibly this. Um, and and I, I looked on white pages just to see if there was anyone else named Jennifer Lyell. Uh, someone actually sent me this this first thing here that there was a campaign contribution from a Jennifer Lyell in Franklin, Tennessee made to and it's only like 10 bucks, but it was made in 2020 to uh, to, to Biden for president. And um, and and this is on the FEC.gov. And so. Um, we, uh, I went to just to see on white pages, like, well, is there anyone else from Franklin, Tennessee, a Jennifer Lyell? There is no other Jennifer Lyell listed. The Jennifer Lyell that is on white pages who lived in Franklin, Tennessee also lived in Marion, Illinois, and, uh, lives in Nashville now and lived in, um, lived, uh, in, uh, what it looks like a number of places, but, um, mostly Illinois. So, it looks to me like that's that's the Jennifer Lyell. <laughs> so if that's the case, which it it's, uh, appears to be, um, it, she would be on the left, uh, politically speaking. Um, now, when it comes to SBC politics, she's also on the left, it appears. And, and I didn't do an extensive research in this, but she uh, there's this whole thread that you can read if you want. You can screenshot this where she's talking about basically why you shouldn't vote for Tom Askell because he's... Um, he's targeted and attacked people both in public and behind the scenes uh, in unchristlike ways and realize this when you're voting in Anaheim. Do you want your next president to be someone whose convictions bear the fruit of tactics that mirror those of Paige Patterson? If so, vote for Askell and keep right on saying nothing about the way power is idolized as a doctrine. And just interesting to me because when I think of Tom Askell, I think of kind of like a very mild-mannered, like the way that he at least communicates is very mild. It's not Paige Patterson. <laughs> it is, I, I would never use the word aggressive uh, to describe Tom Askell's uh, demeanor. Um, if anything, uh, there's times I've been, I, I've wanted, and I think many probably listening have wanted to, to hear maybe even some more aggression. Uh, he's he's kind of a, a mild-mannered guy. And that that's, I think, probably part of his personality. But Jennifer Lyle, like the way she's describing him, I'm like, is this the same Tom Askell? Like, who is she talking about? But clearly very against him uh, for SBC president. She's she's inserting herself in the SBC politics. Uh, it's interesting because that, that interview from 2021, she talks about how she doesn't want to be uh, trending she, or she doesn't want to be... Um, uh, like she doesn't want the limelight. She doesn't want the internet talking about her. She doesn't want to be used as a political pawn, all this kind of thing. And, but she's inserting herself into politics here. She's, she's cultivating her own little following there's no doubt about it. Um, now this, all that background is leading to this. Okay. Uh, everything that we just said, I think we're going to now use it in evaluating the current situation. Here's the current situation. Megan Basham published an article in the Daily Wire, the Southern Baptist Me Too moment. Her thesis was this. The Me Too movement in the SBC is uh, discredited itself by overstating its case and conflating unmistakable instances of abuse with messy adult entanglements. That's basically her point. 
that it's murky, that it's dis, that the, the Southern Baptists are engaging in the, the what the secular Me Too movement was uh, involved with, and it's discrediting itself. And some of those same weaknesses you can see in the SBC. Now, she draws on three different things. One is statistics. There are not many identifiable cases of sexual abuse compared to the size of the denomination. That's number one. You, you, there isn't this big uh, systemic problem that David French talks about and others, like that it's this horrible thing the SBC is going through and it just characterizes, it's so fundamental to what the SBC is, sexual abuse. And that's, it's not. Uh, she, she draws on corroboration, that, and this is the, where Jennifer Lyle comes in, that the guideposts counted belief in Lyle's story as corroboration, that there is a, basically the words, definitions are changing. The SBC can't figure out what a pastor is. They can't seem to figure out what adultery is quite either sometimes like that. Adult, and I'll show you an example of where that's starting to happen. Adultery can now just be abuse as well. Um, and if, and apparently corroboration, you know, the uh, guidepost uh, can counted corroboration as, well, someone says, I believe your story. Though that's not corroboration. As one person on Twitter, captive to the word put out there, for those who continue to miss the point of Megan Bashan uh, is making, she is asking for real corroboration, not just shared belief. Corroborate. Definition. To add proof to an account, statement, idea, etc. with new information. Obviously, if someone just says, well, I heard her, her story and I believe her, that's not corroboration. And that's all Megan Bashan is saying. She's not saying that there wasn't abuse. There could have been. I'm not saying that either. Uh, she's not saying that um, that it you know that David Sills didn't potentially even rape her uh, or something. What she's saying is guideposts didn't do their due diligence. They didn't uh, they didn't follow best practice in this, and that is a valid point. And it has not been overturned. In everything that's happened since then, it has not been addressed. Uh, and then the conflict of interest that Rachel Den Hollander was appointed to advise the executive committee and was instrumental in the decision to hire guideposts and communicated with them, though she previously represented Lyell against the executive committee. So that that's, represents a conflict of interest. Those are the three things she drew on to say, like, this is me too. And this is happening in the SBC. Now, there are charges of inaccuracy. This is where this, this started. Charges of inaccuracy. Um, and, and so we have uh, two examples here of that. The first one, I think this is the one, this is the one that got a lot of attention uh, by this guy named Bob uh, Smitana, I think. Smitana. Anyway, uh, he writes, and this is from Religion News Service, with probably the most progressive, like, it's like the CNN of uh, the MSNBC. No, you know, it's more NPR. It's like the NPR, I guess, of the... Uh, of evangelicalism, kind of. If you can even call it evangelicalism, it's it's so far to the left. Anyway, a number of pastors have passed around a story that questions whether Jen Lyell spoke to the police or if her allegations were accurate. A uh, Jefferson uh, Jefferson Town officer confirmed that she uh, that she reported, and several SBC agencies corroborated the allegations. So all he's saying is that she did report. And so it's people now calling for Megan Basham's public apology. Um, and the, the relevant section from the article is that Major Mark Tipperman of the Jefferson Town Kentucky Police Department told Religion News Service in a phone call that Lyle had reported uh, the abuse. Now, this is, um, this is the thing that they're trying to slam Megan Basham with, is that uh, this was reported and, and kind of the implication then ending up being, well, it's proven. And you know, we'll see that in a minute. Like this, you just got to accept that this happened. 
And the thing is, in Megan Basham's article, though, if you read it, um, she, she, she there's this doesn't actually conflict with anything that she herself has written. Uh, and that's they're acting like it's a smoking gun, like this is proof positive that Megan Basham is a liar or something. But here's what Megan Basham said in her article. Here's what she said, and I quote from the article. Louisville PD told me they have no records pertaining to Jennifer Lyell or David Sills, and Lieutenant Glenn Parkus, commander of the Sex Crimes Unit, could not find any cases matching Lyell's description. And this is, remember, after, remember, Lyell's, what she claimed, that Mueller reported, that she reported, uh, I mean, they were tracking the guy, apparently. And, I mean, they showed up at her house, I guess. I mean, you'd think there would be a record, right? When I spoke to Lyell, she was not willing to provide details about her allegations on the record, but said the Baptist Press had made a mistake and that she'd actually reported Sills to the Jefferson uh, Town, Kentucky authorities. However, their department, too, told me they were not able to locate anything on either Sills or Lyell in their system. Okay, so she's not saying that she didn't go and try to report it. She's just saying there's, there's no record of any of this. That's all she's saying. And nothing uh, in the Twitterverse, nothing out there has demonstrated that this is wrong, that, uh, that, that the, the record exists. It's just saying that someone spoke to um, Mark Tipperman, and he says, well, yeah, she came in, Jefferson Town, Kentucky Police. She came into our department, uh, but there's no record. Uh, that that's cited here. And I think that's the key thing is and Megan Bashan, if you read the Twitter comments, basically Megan gets into this and is like, well, when was it? Was it it wasn't during the time of this. It was uh, it, it was much later. And it was and there was no there is no at least identifiable record that can be uh, can be shown here. Um, and and so that's clearly so f- much uh, much less than you'd expect to find if you had Moeller. You had her, uh, Lyle herself, and you had reporting this and you had police tracking him, according to her, and you had um, them show up at her house at some point. You'd think there would be a lot more. There'd be some record somewhere. Why isn't there a record? So I think it's that, that question is still out there. And there's nothing inaccurate about the, the Megan Basham's article isn't contradicted by this, but they're like, Megan's got to apologize now. And you got Eric Geiger. Uh, several people have asked me about this article where it's purported that I simply believe Jennifer. That is not what I shared with Megan. Here's what I sent her. And he sends this, and I've read it, this whole thing about, you know, but here's the thing. Megan doesn't quote from any of this statement. Megan's quoting from, I believe it was a Baptist Press article when she's quoting Eric Geiger. She's just quoting another article. So it's, there's nothing in here that, that is contradictory to anything Megan Basham wrote, but they're acting. I mean, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention retweeted this, acting as if Megan is somehow being uh, less than genuine. Uh, and so, um, so here's what we end up getting uh, with all of this. We have um, all these SBC. I recognize some of these people from just all these these uh, even years ago on Twitter. Danny Slavich. Thank you, Dr. Moeller. Oh, I should mention, yeah, Dr. Moeller weighs in on this uh, and basically says, we, we cannot and should not respond to every public controversy, but I hope the statement below is helpful in clarifying. And then he talks about how Jennifer Lyle came to me with an accusation of sexual abuse by David Sills. We followed appropriate processes. And, um, and then he goes on. Let's see if I can find that. Uh, he goes on and he says, um, 
And the accusation of abuse was confirmed, as we indicated publicly and have substantially, uh, su- subsequently confirmed. Statements directly made by the Sills in the course of our confrontation clearly confirm the allegations of abuse. So clearly confirm these allegations. Clearly confirmed. Clearly. Nothing that you can, you can't really point to much. There wasn't, charges weren't pressed. No records at the police departments, but clearly, clearly confirmed. Uh, and it's just, you wonder, you know, a predator like this, and you're, you're not going to call and press charges, and it's just weird. So anyway, Danny Slavich sees this. He says, thank you, Dr. Mueller. It's clear Megan Bashan does not have credibility on this issue, and her writing should be ignored. I mean, it sounds like a robot. It's just, like, I'm like, what? I'm looking at some of this stuff. I'm like, Dr. Mueller has spoken from on high. I mean, I know Protestants aren't supposed to have a pope, but my goodness. Uh, Kristen Dumas, who wrote Jesus and John Wayne, right? Infamous Kristen Dumas. Um, important connections in all of this. What are the important connections? Well, if you saw a Daily Wire writer, can't even say her name, a Daily Wire writer, publicly attacking a sexual abuse survivor's account of their assault, keep in mind, Bastion is a 2022 Claremont Fellow, Hillsdale College. President Larry Arn is Claremont's vice chairman, co-founder, and 1985 to 2000 president. This isn't incidental. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. She's got a connection to Claremont. Now, I look at that. I'm not a big fan of Claremont. But at a, again, I I know I'm not a huge I don't know everything Claremont's put out there, but they they're kind of of that Harry Jaffa school of American history. And I I, I just think it's, it's it's I'm not I'm not the biggest Claremont guy. I wouldn't consider them raving right wing lunatics. I would think of them more as you know, uh, they're 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 kind of like the propositional nation folks. They're they're just very, uh, uh, I don't know, um, neoconservative is more so. I think they lean more that way. That's that's the impression I've gotten at least. But Kristen Dumas making it out like Megan Basham. Hmm, she went to a Claremont event. She's a fellow there. Oh my goodness, that means that we know what's motivating. It's Larry Arn, and we know what that means. That's Hillsdale. Hmm, we know what that means. Trump. Anyway, that's that's uh, that. It's the tenuous or the connections that uh, critical race theorists love this kind of thing. Like let's let's form a connection. Let's try to connect this person. Forget about the facts of the situation. Forget about the truth. Doesn't matter. The truth doesn't matter. We what we need is to find the connection to something we really don't like, and that we can try to get everyone not to like, and then and then discredit it. And the truth truth is a casualty of this. Uh, Megan, let's see. Um, Megan Nichols Lively uh, reporting her, and she got a lot of likes on this. Twitter safety. Megan Bashan continues to harass and spread false information about a survivor of sexual abuse. Oh my goodness. Uh, can, can you please block her account? Uh, Natalie, uh, she has her pronouns in her profile, uh, quote unquote journalists. She doesn't know, she, so they're not journalists, but I mean, this is someone who probably, she doesn't know what a woman is, I don't think. Uh, but journalist, quote unquote, uh, she went to a one week Christian journalism course and wrote movie reviews. So, you know, don't listen to Megan Basham, but also don't d- destroy Megan Basham in the process. Um, you have Jared Cornut. Uh, if you're going to choose it to believe a writer of the Daily Wire over two of our seminary presidents, perhaps it's time for you to leave the SBC. Megan Basham says, Pastor, respectfully, I did not assert that Jennifer Lyle's claims against David Sills were not true. There is no believe over what I critique was guidepost terminology and methodology. You were being dishonest about me and what I reported. And she's absolutely right. It's it's like they're responding to an article that Megan Bashan didn't write. That's how this whole thing uh, seems to be going down. And you can see the political weapon, weaponry coming out in this. Uh, Joel Rainey, 
um, who's uh, been high up in different SBC positions, I think in the Maryland-Delaware Convention, and I think he's a pastor now. He says, people ask me, why are you so insistent that we purge the SBC of any semblance of the Baptist network, conservative Baptist network? Isn't that just being punitive? Nope, it's living in obedience to Titus 3.10. This is but one example why we should show them the door. Because Jennifer Lyle says, you know what, CBN founders, just tell me when and where you want to stone me or have a firing squad. As long as you all finish me off without saying another word, I'll show up and let you write the ending since you're so sure I'm a slut, is the word she uses. Pick a place in time or shut up. And then you got, you know, rushing to... This is someone who, honestly, this is someone who, who needs help. This is someone who... This is not rational thinking here. But you got Joel Rainey coming in to defend this. <laughs> and, you know, Jennifer Lyle, it's not like she needs help or, or something. No, Baptist Network needs to leave. They, we, need to, we need to show them the door. Oh, my goodness. CB, it's CBN's fault. Apparently, Megan Basham's article is CBN's fault now. Like, like, talk about irrationality, taking this out on CBN. It's all politicalization. It's all about power. It just seems that way. See, I, I, for some of these people, at least. Uh, Jennifer Lyell said, hey, Rod Martin and Tom Askell, I'm done. Stop what you either started, fuel or a passively enabled. It's is lies and is evil. If you don't stop, then you are too. Yeah. It's that's who's behind all this. Megan Bashan was so she's it's Larry Arn behind her, apparently, and the Claremont Institute, or it's it's really just CBN. And it, it, like Megan can't just write this herself for the Daily Wire. Um, it's got to be attached to something else. Uh, then we have Jared. Um, I mean, I don't even know how much of stuff I want to read. Uh, don't ask questions is basically how I labeled this one. Some of the people reacting, Jared Cornut being one of them. Um, uh, that, let's see, uh, Dr. Moeller and Greenway confirmed that he abused. He abused her. Dr. Moeller and Adam Greenway, they said it. So therefore, it, you know, you heard like God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, in the SBC, it's like Moeller said it, I believe it, that settles it. Uh, Hannah Anderson, one manifestation of a pornographic culture is how easily perfect strangers demand the intimate details of sexual abuse in order to determine the truth. Quote, unquote. They need to know the sexual specifics of abuse allegations is not just asking questions. It is voyeurism. Okay. And that's very similar to actually something Rachel Denhollander said to Russell Moore uh, in the context of this whole thing. Uh, initially, I think in 2019, she said something very similar. That you, so, so you can't ask questions. If you ask questions, if you want proof, then that makes you, you're, you're a pervert or something. It's just, you, 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 it's a lose-lose situation. Jennifer Greenberg, uh, broadening the definition of abuse here. She says, and let's talk about adultery. Adultery is a premeditated and willful abuse of your spouse's trust and love. It's the betrayal of your child's hopes and security. It's the intentional breaking of hearts and ruining of marriages and lives. Adultery is abuse. Stop defending church leaders who cheat on their wives, especially with their own congregants and people in their care. You look ignorant at best. So, adultery is abuse. This is where, are we going here? That, that adultery is abuse now? What is... I mean, I agree in a generic sense. I guess there's an abuse there. There's abuse of the privileges that God's given you. I mean, but we're, we know in the context we're talking about abuse, we're talking about someone forcing themselves. We're talking about there wasn't consent. We're that kind of thing. Um, if, if we can just now broaden it to, well, you know, if, if Sills, let's say Sills is an adulterer. Well, he, it's still abuse. Stop defending him. Well, okay. Let's say it's adultery. Uh, really bad. He should have been let go, obviously. But 
that doesn't mean, as bad as that is, it doesn't mean that he was forcing himself on her, if possibly, if if that's all it is. And so it it's okay to have an open question. There's really there's no problem with that, but we we can't have that for some reason. And then so so here's some of the things that, you know that I'm seeing with the Me Too, the merger of the Me Too and the SBC political corruption. Uh, don't ask questions. Broaden the definition of abuse. And then we have the main one here: allegations e- equal actualities. Allegations equal act- actualities. Mueller heard allegations. David French even retweeted this from Mueller. We just we found that it's true. It's confirmed. We can't give you evidence, but it's just confirmed. Okay, Bart Barber retweeted Adam Greenway says I was serving uh, as the dean of the Billy Graham School when Jennifer Lyle reported. Um, I witnessed. Uh, that conversation as well. Uh, I am fully confirmed Dr. Mueller's statement. May these reprehensible attacks against Jen please stop. Um, you know, Logan Smith pushed back and said, Dr. Mueller, with all due respect, uh, this statement reads like you're tap dancing. No, no one, to my knowledge, doubts the allegations of abuse. They question the actuality of abuse. And that, and that does get to the heart of it. Okay, there's allegations. Yeah, but where's the beef? Well, okay, there, what was the evidence? What did you see? What was it that sh- showed you this is definitely abuse? And David Griffin uh, Gulledge, I think he's pronouncing that right, um, steps in. And Griffin Gulledge, I mean, he's he's kind of, I don't know exactly what, I think he's a pastor, but like I remember in 2019, he was the guy that first tweeted out that uh, this whole situation with Mike Stone and Hannah Kate and like, oh my goodness, look what Mike Stone did. And then he did again this year, it was that CBN had this secret plan or not this, that they were going to go to the convention center and uh, vote to go straight to the election of the president. And of course, neither of these things took place in the way that uh, he reports them, which is which is why I'm just like, this guy, why does anyone trust this guy? But he is active somehow in some of the SBC stuff. Uh, and people, some people do listen to him apparently. And he says, confirming allegations is confirming actualities. It's pretty clear. Okay. <laughs> Uh, then Jennifer Lyell says, for all those asserting, I have never been publicly clear about what I reported. This tweet was from June 2021. And in 2021, she said, the things that happened to me and thus what I reported to Al Mohler included the use of force, felonies for which I could still press criminal charges if I chose. If if she chose, she says she could still push for felonies. She, she could still press charges. Well, and again, this just gets you back to square one. This is what she's reporting. We don't have any... What, what the guide, the root issue here is what guidepost said, that this was, um, that there was corroboration of some kind here. Let's go back to the, uh, the Me Too moment thing here. Guidepost counted belief in Lyle's story as corroboration. That's not corroboration. And that we keep, that, that's what we keep getting as a broken record, that she said it, I believe it, that settles it. Mueller said it, I believe it, that settles it. Okay, well, who said what doesn't, that shouldn't matter. Um, in, unless they, they were a witness to something. And none of the Mueller, what was he a witness? If he was a witness, why isn't he speaking up? If David Sills is such a, a person that is terrible, doesn't shouldn't be on the street and stuff, why haven't charges been pressed? Um, if there were, if the police were tracking him, if there were these calls made to uh, both by Mueller and Lyle, why aren't there records of this stuff, uh, the, of the of reports filed? There's so many questions in this whole thing. And, and it, it doesn't mean that David Souls didn't abuse her in some way. It just means you can't claim that this is corroborated. Um, and then there was some pushback. Some people were defending Megan Basham. I mean, Rod Martin, hey, did you call the police on Mueller? Did Adam Greenway? If not, why not? Don't sex abusers belong in jail? Jenna Ellis supporting uh, Megan Basham. 
Um, you have Lewis Richardson here. Uh, not sure who he is, uh, but um, just basically pointing out like you were silent on the Jennifer Buck thing. Uh, why are you? Why are, are you talking about this when you were silent on that? Like what? Wh- what's what determines what you speak on and what you don't? Uh, and so you have Bart Barber, though the president of the SBC, retweeting Jennifer Lyle's stuff, retweeting Al Mohler's stuff. Uh, that's he's that's who the acting president is. By the way, who the <laughs> who's been heralded by even some of the prominent, at least conservatives, two of them I'm thinking of, on the conservative side of the Southern Baptist Convention as a step in the right direction, or just someone who would make a good SBC president, a good pastor. You know. Th- this is someone who makes a good SBC president here, just retweeting all this stuff or tweeting this stuff, trying to cast shade on Megan Basham as if, you know, there's some smoking gun that she left out. You know, no, that's someone who's playing politics. I thought it was an interesting Will McCraney posted that the Houston Chronicle, um, well, talks about this high view Baptist case, uh, where I guess it was, um, Kevin Ezel of the North American mission board. Uh, he ended up, um, uh, let's see. Uh, Highview's principal, Bill uh, Maggard, was accused of molesting boys prior to 2003. Uh, charges uh, were filed, I guess. Do you, do you others know that Kevin Ezel, um, Kevin Ezel knew about this? And uh, anyway, th- this whole issue, though, he's saying at Highview was um, um, Guidepost had the details to it and did not report it. Why is that? And again, that gets, why is some of you, why is the Joni Hannigan, when she, you know, asks questions about this stuff, why is, you know, sh- she's never mentioned, why Al Mohler doesn't weigh in on that, but he does on this Lyle case, why? You got to ask that question. Uh, and then I think this is a good conclusion. Joshua Abatoy had a great, th- this is the root of all of it. He goes, no one, and he's responding to this ridiculous, <laughs> thank you, Dr. Mohler, it's clear that Megan Bashan does not have credibility her writing should be ignored because Dr. Mueller has come from on high and spoken to us. Uh, Joshua Abatoy says, no one can point out what precisely Megan Bashan misreported. She did her homework and has receipts and stated her case carefully. Megan didn't attack Lyle and didn't conclude that her allegations were false. Megan's crime was simply questions. And that is the root of this. Megan's crime was simply asking questions. That's all she did. And that's all it took was, was her asking some, really some questions that, should have been asked by someone else. And you have to ask, why, why aren't there other reporters? Why aren't there other people asking these same questions? And the answer is, I don't know. Um, I, I can gander at an answer that there's a lot of weakness out there, a lot of fear. Um, the progressive left media is going to, they're going to root for their side in this whole situation. They're going to be on the side of the Russell Moores of the world. Um, they're asking a question about this even a just a basic question is there really corroboration was there you said there was but was there that question is off limits and the attempt will be to discredit you to destroy you i've lived through this other people have lived through this um megan basham's now living through this and it's they go ad hominem really quick and this is not a christian way of responding to this stuff someone who asks questions really so that's what I wanted to bring to you and just show you is a perfect example in my mind of what's happening in the SBC, why it's so bad, how corrupt it is, how the wagons circle so quickly, um, how just uncaring about truth it, and how personal it gets so quickly, uh, just how authoritarian it is. This is the current SBC. These, these aren't people that are beholden to a biblical standard of, of the, I mean, even I was reading today, 
with uh, doing some discipleship with um, a guy I'm discipling. And we were um, reading through uh, 1 Timothy and uh, talking about, you know, widows who are widows indeed. And what does that mean? Well, verify. <laughs> like even even something as small as that, verify. This is, it's not wrong to verify things. And really, that's all Megan Bastion's doing, just asking a question. Can't ask the question. Just trust us. And that's what you're getting. Just trust us. Uh, that's a sign that you're in a cult. That's not a sign that you're in a healthy Christian setting. Just trust us. We have the proof, but we can't show it to you. And it's a bunch of us have this. And um, and and if you in in the extra step is and if you don't trust us, you are to be destroyed. Essentially, you and, and it, there would be maybe some understanding if there was a situation. I'm thinking hypothetically where there's NDAs and there's legal things and you know just trust us. This is what happened. But you know I can understand. You don't have to believe us. We'd like it if you did, but but please trust us. But if you don't, that's fine. Like we, we're not just, we're not at liberty to disclose that, that that's different than trust us and you will be destroyed. <laughs> that's trust us or you don't care about abuse, trust us and, or you need to be reported to Twitter to be taken off of it. Uh, or you're helping the abuser out or something like that. That's that talk about uncharitable talk. About, I mean, is this winsome? It just doesn't seem winsome. The people that want to be winsome. Um, that's a, it's a sad state of affairs, and I'm glad that God's kingdom is there and way bigger than the SBC because the Southern Baptist Convention is just going downhill, in my opinion, at breakneck speed. So there you go. That's the situation with Megan Basham. She has nothing to be ashamed of. She's done a good thing uh, for uh, Southern Baptists uh, if they could recognize it. She's one of the only adults in the room willing to ask questions, willing to be bold, willing to stand behind her questions, willing to stand behind her journalism, her article, uh, not caving like a folded chair when someone applies a little bit of pressure. Um, I, this is, I, I, I can't say, I mean, there's, there's a lot of men in the SBC who should be uh, as aggressive as, as she is, and they're not. And she's, in fact, I think she's putting some of them to shame. I'm just going to say it. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful for her doing this and, and shining a spotlight on this. And I hope she continues to just ask good questions. That's all she's doing. That's all she's doing. And, and that's where it's bringing her. Okay. Well, I hope that was helpful for some of you out there, you Southern Baptists. God bless. More coming. Um, might be a little later in the week. We'll see. Lots, lots going on. So trying to think through what, what's the best stuff to focus on. But uh, I, I did want to get this out there early in the week just because I saw what was happening. So anyway, God bless. Bye now. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.